I forgot to announce this. The bathrooms over here are frozen, so use the ones over here. I've entitled this message, The Birth of the Christ. Some 2,000 years ago, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, was conceived in a virgin's womb and spent the nine-month gestation period in the womb of the Virgin Mary. He who is God spent nine months in a womb and he was born on a certain day. 700 years before his birth, the prophet Isaiah wrote in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and thou shalt call his name Emmanuel, God with us. Not only are we told that he would be born, we're told in the Old Testament, 500 years before it took place, where he would be born. Micah chapter 5, verse 2, But thou Bethlehem, Ephratah, though thou be little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of thee shall he come forth unto me that is to be ruler of Israel, whose goings forth have been from old, from everlasting. Not only are we told of his birth and where he would be born, we're told in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, when he would be born. The 70 weeks times 7, 490 years from the time that he was writing. And then this passage I just read in Isaiah chapter 9, verses 6 and 7, is the announcement of his birth, written 700 years before his birth. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I'd like to read one passage from the New Testament before we get back to Isaiah chapter 9. Turn to Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel 
was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin, a spouse to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, much graced. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor, grace with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee. And the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold, thy cousin Elizabeth, she also hath conceived a son in her old age. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God nothing shall be. Impossible. How can a virgin have a baby? With God, nothing shall be impossible. The birth announcement of the Lord Jesus in Isaiah chapter 9 is such a glorious birth announcement. Would you turn back to Isaiah chapter 9? Now the reason it's pointed out that Christ was born of a virgin, and it was pointed out in Isaiah chapter 7, somebody says, why, why would this be? Well, number one, and this is the only reason needed, if he was not born of a virgin, he would have the sinful nature that you and I have. He'd be no different than me and you. He must be born of a virgin. Somebody says that's impossible. With God, nothing shall be impossible. But if he were not born of a virgin, he could not save me or you. He'd have the same sinful nature that you and I do. Why is it that you don't have to teach your children to lie? Why does it come natural? Why do you not have to teach your children to be selfish? Because they're born Sinners. The Lord Jesus Christ was not born a sinner. Conceived of the Holy Ghost. Now, notice in Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. 
Now, this passage of Scripture cannot be dealt with fairly or honestly unless we understand who is meant by the us. Unto us, a child is born. Unto us, a son is given. Who is the us referred to in our text? Well, it's the same us as Romans 8, 31, if God be for us, who can be against us? That's the us that the child is born and the son is given to. Now, if I would say the us refers to the elect, I'd be telling the truth. If I would say the us refers to those that Jesus Christ shed his precious blood for, I'd be telling the truth. If I said the us are those who have been born again by the Spirit of God, I'd be telling the truth. If I said the us are those who believe the gospel, faith toward Christ and repentance toward God, I'd be telling the truth, wouldn't I? If I said the us are those who receive him, I'd be telling the truth. But perhaps you cannot be sure that you are any of those things and could not tell for certain whether you are. So let me make this simple, who the us is. Are you a sinner? That's all I'm asking you right now. And you can determine whether you're in this blessed group, us. Are you a sinner? And I mean a sinner in the biblical sense. Genesis chapter 6, verse 5. And God saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every imagination of his, the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. Would that describe you? Romans chapter 2 verse 1 says, Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest another. For if you judge, you condemn yourself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. Would that be you unfit to judge anybody because of your own sinfulness? Listen to this. 1 John 1.8 If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Truth is not in us. Verse 10 of the same chapter, if we say we've not sinned, and there the word is a verb and it's in the active tense, present, right now. Right now. I don't care what you're thinking, what you're doing. Right now. If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar. He says we have. 
I'm not that. Well, then I can't assure you that you're in this group, the us that he's given to. But if you are a sinner, a real bona fide sinner, in the scriptural sense of the word, I can guarantee you that you're included in the us. How? First Timothy 1.15 says, For Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Not good people, not righteous people, not religious people. Sinners. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Listen to me. The gospel is a sinner's religion. Don't you love that? The gospel is a sinner's religion. Unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given. Now, I love the way that's stated. Unto us a child is born. That's talking about the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was born on a certain day. Now, was it December 25th? I doubt it. (laughs) There's no way of knowing what day He was born, but he was born on a certain day. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. You see, that son was never born. That son is the eternal son of God. The uncreated, eternal son of God. Before he was conceived, he was. Before he was conceived, he wasn't a physical human being at that time, but he became flesh. The word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now this child was born, but the son was given. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Now, Isaiah tells us concerning this child that was born and the son that was given. Look in our text in verse 6, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon His shoulder. Now the government he is talking about is not government as we know it. With a legislative, executive, and judicial branch, a balance of powers with officials we elected. (laughs) That's not the government he's speaking of. He's not speaking of government as a a democracy or an authoritarian or an autocratic or a communist or a socialist government. He's not talking about anything like that. The word government means the rule, the dominion. The government, the absolute rule, the absolute sovereignty, the absolute dominion of all things is upon his shoulder. Now what this is speaking of is the absolute sovereignty 
of this child who was born and this son who is given. Now here's what that means. Please listen carefully. We're speaking concerning that child that was born, the son who is given. He has a will. He has the power to bring his will to pass. You and I don't have that power. <laughs> you know, people like to think they have some control. That's the biggest illusion there is. He has all control. We have none. I'm glad it's that way. He has a will. He has the power to bring his will to pass. He has the right to bring his will to pass. He doesn't answer to anybody. He's God. He has no law over his head. He's the lawgiver. He has the right to make his will come to pass. And he does make his will come to pass all the time. Daniel said in Daniel 4.35, he doeth according to his will. In the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth. And none can stay his hand or say unto him, what doest thou? Give an account for yourself. He doesn't answer to me. He doesn't answer to you. He's God. His will is always done. Psalm 115.3 says, our God is in the heavens. He hath done. He hath done whatsoever he pleased. You see, his will is, was done in creation when he spake the world into existence. It was an act of his will. His will is done in providence right now. That means everything that happens in time, including the stuff going through your head right now, he's in control of. He's sovereign. Oh, his will is done in salvation. If you're saved, it's because he willed you to be saved. The government is upon his shoulders. And look what Isaiah gives us as his name. He tells us his, his position, the government should be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. Now, we've already read where his name is called Jesus. Thou shalt call his name Jesus, Savior. For he shall save his people from their sins. We've already heard Emmanuel. Isaiah 7, 14, Emmanuel. God with us, not God against us, not God far away, but God with us. But here, Isaiah calls his name wonderful. Now we use that um, term far too loosely, don't we? How you doing? Wonderful. Full of wonder. Oh, how is that meal? Wonderful. Well, as I said, we use that term far too loosely. His name is full of wonder. <clears throat> wonderful. He's wonderful in his person. He's God. He's man, fully God, just as if he were not man at all. 
fully man, the man Christ Jesus, just as if he were not God at all. Wonderful in his person, the God-man. In him dwelleth, Colossians 2.9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. What a wonderful God-man. All that God is dwells, resides in the physical body of the Lord Jesus Christ. You want to talk about wonderful. <laughs> I mean, all we can... That, that's the only response. Bow. Bow. I, I, uh, he's wonderful in his person. Wonderful in his work. His work of salvation. How wonderful. How wonderful when he stood as the surety of his people before time began and took full responsibility for their salvation, able to do it. How wonderful is his incarnation when the word was made flesh and as a man he kept God's law perfectly. How wonderful he was in his death. In his death, just the fact that he died in the first place is amazing. He's the God-man. What did he accomplish by his death? He put away my sin. He made full payment for my sin. How wonderful he is in his resurrection when he was raised from my justification. How wonderful he is in his ascension when he brings all of his people into the very presence of his Father, accepted. How wonderful he is in his intercession. Representing me right now. Oh, his name shall be called Wonderful. Now, he is the one who utterly deserves that term. Wonderful. And look what it says next in our text in verse 6. His name shall be called Counselor. Counselor. Now, this is not the kind of counselor you and I think of. You know, you, you see a counselor, he may give you good advice, he may give you bad advice. I'm not talking about that kind of counselor. Um, this word, counselor, actually is a verb, not a noun describing somebody. This is what he does. He counsels. And this is not talking about giving advice, giving you Help in life, a life coach. This is not what this is talking about at all when it calls him a counselor. He says, my counsel shall stand and I will do my will. He works all things, the scripture says in Ephesians 1. He works all things after the counsel, after the decree of his own will. When he is called a counselor, that means his will is done. He counsels it. He purposes it. He decrees it. He's not just one who gives good advice. He's one who purposes all things. He's the wonderful Counselor. I love thinking about that. He's Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord. He's the counselor. His counsel, his decree always.
comes to pass because of who he is. I love the passage of scripture in Zechariah chapter 6 verse 13 when it speaks of the council of peace. The council of peace that took place before the world began. He is the counselor. Now look what it says next in our text. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God. The Mighty God. Jesus Christ is not like God. Jesus Christ is God. The Mighty God. He did what only God Almighty could do when he walked here for 33 years on this earth. He became flesh. <laughs> How mysterious is that? He never sinned. You know, he never told a lie. Isn't that a wonderful th to think? Uh, he never told a lie. He controlled the weather. Look at the way it's been the last few days. You know who controlled that? He did. I love it the way they said, uh, what manner of man is this that even the winds and seas obey him? I'll tell you what manner of man he is, the God man. He brought matter into the universe that was not there before when he created food. He raised the dead. He satisfied God in his death. I mean, you couldn't do it. He did. He made it by his life and death where God is completely satisfied with everybody he represented by his life and death. Could any man do that? The God-man can. I love it when um, they came to arrest him. And he said, whom seek ye? They said, Jesus of Nazareth. He said, I am. Remember God calling himself when Moses said, who am I supposed to say sent me? I am that I am. Tell them I am has sent thee. Whom seek ye, Jesus of Nazareth? I am. What happened? They went backwards. They fell back to the ground. You know what the Lord was doing? Lord was letting him know, I'm not a victim. This is not your will being done. This is my will being done. I'm not in your hands. You're in mine. He is mighty God. Now, what it says next concerning his name, his name should be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God the Everlasting Father. Now how is he the Son of God and yet here he's called the Everlasting Father? I don't know. That's the best way I know how to answer that. I don't know. Uh, 
Scripture's mysterious, isn't it? But I do know this. Uh, John 1, 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God as a distinct person, and the Word was God. Uh, Philip said, Show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. And he says, I've been so long time with you, and yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that has seen me hath seen the Father. And I know this, all we'll ever see of the Father is Jesus Christ, his Son. He's the express image of the Father. He's the brightness of his glory. The express image of his person, upholding all things by the word of his He said, I and my Father are one. Now, Jesus Christ is either God or the greatest imposter to ever live. He's either the God of glory or the biggest egomaniac to ever live. The claims he made of himself, he said, I and my father are one. <laughs> you know, um, Mohammed never made that claim. He said, there's one God and I'm his prophet. Jesus Christ didn't say that. He said, I and my father are one. He claimed equality to the father. Wonderful. Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. Now, what is meant by this word Prince? Well, Joshua found out. He saw this man before Jericho with a drawn sword. This giant, some kind of vision. I don't understand this. It's uh, but he came up to this man with the drawn sword in this vision. He said, are you for us or for our adversaries? He said, neither. I don't take sides. I'm not on one person's side. I'm the captain of the Lord of hosts. That's the prince. That's the prince. He said, take your shoes off your feet. You're standing on holy ground. And Joshua hit the dirt. What would you have your servant do? That's the prince. But he's the prince of peace. Of peace. Now there's the peace of his rule. You know why I'm not worried about anything right now at any rate? Because he reigns. What is there to worry about? He's the cause of everything. He's the first cause. He's He's incapable of making a mistake. It's not possible for his will not to be done. What's to worry about? The peace of his reign. But what this is talking about more than anything else is Jehovah our peace. Now here's the peace of his reign. Colossians 1.20 says, Having made peace through the blood of his reign. 
Now here's the peace that he made. He put away all my sin as the Prince of Peace and made it to where I stand before God sinless. Sinless. Without guilt. Justified in his sight. And in his sight is how it really is. Righteous in his sight. You know what that makes me feel? Peace. Now, if I thought I had to stand before God based on my own works in any way, I wouldn't have any peace. But he is my peace. He is the prince of peace. And look what it says in verse 7. Of the increase. The word increase means the ever-growing greatness or abundance. The increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. There is no limit. Now what does that mean? With regard to his government, there's no checkmating him. There's no limit to his absolute sovereignty. There's no ending point. Can't say checkmate to him. His government knows no end. It's ever increasing. Somebody says, is the universe expanding or contracting? I don't know, but I know this. His government is limitless. And it also means the increase of his peace shall know no end. Now remember, he's the prince of peace. Now, here's what this means. He said, when I see the blood, I will pass over you. Everybody that Jesus Christ died for, God says, I will pass over you. Now, is there any scenario where that wouldn't be the case? Is there any limitations to that? Let's say somebody's really evil, really bad. They've committed horrible sins. Surely he won't pass over them. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. There is no limitation to that. If you're covered by the blood, you stand before God without sin. No limitations. Peace by Jesus Christ, Peter said. He is Lord of all. I love saying that. He's your Lord. You say, no, he's not. Yeah, he is. <laughs> you might not know it, but he is. He's Lord of all. And here's why this is all true. Of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and justice. Now, his kingdom is a just kingdom. It's all righteous because it's his kingdom. And if I'm saved, I'm saved in a way that the very justice of God demands my salvation. And here's why. 
the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. This is why all this is going to take place, because he's going to do it. Not up to me, not up to you. He's going to make sure it all takes place. The zeal of the Lord of hosts shall perform it. You know, he's zealous for his own glory. And it's going to take place. The announcement of the Lord's birth. This is, it was told that he would be conceived in Micah, I mean in Isaiah chapter 7, where he would be born in Acts chapter 5, or not Acts chapter 5, but uh, Micah chapter 5, when he would be born in Daniel chapter 9. But here is the announcement of his birth, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end. Upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment, with justice, from henceforth even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Merry Christmas. Let's pray. Lord, how we thank you for the excellency and the glory of your Son. How we thank you that his name is Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. And how we thank you that there's no limitation to the, his government or his salvation. Bless this message for your glory. In Christ's name we pray.